for Joshua Kids, we have our Joshua Kids tree out in the foyer. Do you see that with all the little tags on it? I was going to bring one up, but you can get one out there on your way out. Each tag has like a boy or a girl, certain ages, and in December, I believe they need to be in by December 11th, so I think it's the Saturday after that, we're going to present these kit, these um, these presents to our children that come in to our church every month, and we minister the gospel to them, and we have seen fruit. You want to invest in this ministry because fruit comes with this ministry when you love on kids and share Jesus with them. So grab a tag as you leave. Um, next week is our typical connection, life um, group kind of get together. So what Adrian and I have talked about is Las Cas. Anybody been to Las Cas? Yeah. I mean, it's like the best restaurant. It's right over here. We're just going to hang out. So if you're new to the ministry and you want to get connected, you want to meet people, just join us next week. If you've been here for a year or two, you can still join us. We're just going to hang out there after service next Sunday, and that'll happen right after church. Next Sunday is the one Sunday. Have you gotten a card, the one card? We have a, we have a um, screen for that. So every month at the last Sunday of the month, we want you to invite somebody to come to church with you. Okay, so if that happens, we are going to be squeezed in here more than we already are, but it's worth it because people need to know about Jesus, right? That's why we do it, not to just grow a ministry. That's not really the point. It's really to share Jesus with people. So bring someone to church next week. And on top of that, I want to challenge you to get this book, but don't just buy one, buy two. And I'll tell you why. I have been challenged to start discipling one-on-one with people, whoever wants to, right? My, my daughter Olivia and I are doing it. A couple other people that are close to me are doing it. This is just a basic discipleship book. But every single one of us in here can be doing this. We can be sitting down with people and sharing why we believe what we believe and reading the Bible together, right? Like, what else are we doing? Right? Like, what else are we busy with? Like, we should be doing this. So it's a great resource. I'm going to leave it up here after church, and you can just take a picture of it. It's like $12, and you can get it off Amazon. But if you have teenagers, moms and dads, you need to do this with them for sure because they need to know what we believe and why we believe it. So that kind of goes along with the one Sunday. And then one more announcement. December 3rd, we are going to have a Photos with Santa. Yay, everybody excited. (laughs) If you are willing to help with this outreach to our community, raise your hand. All right, come on. That'll be fun. So we're going to have it from 4 to 6 p.m., December 3rd, Saturday. We have rented a Santa, so you're all off the hook. Nobody has to put a costume on. He's a professional Santa. We're going to move the drums. Sorry, Manny. We're going to have a big, huge, comfy chair up here, and we're going to have the community come in for free photos with Santa. But on top of that, we'll have hot chocolate. We'll have a craft station for the kids. And we need prayer warriors that will be ready to pray for people that need that have prayer requests, especially around the holidays. Holidays get hard for a lot of people, okay, because they're missing their loved ones or they're financially strapped or whatever it is. We need to make sure that we're ready to pray. So if you are want to be involved, See me after church, and we will connect and get get things moving for that date. So I'm excited about that. That's all my announcements. So now it is time to talk about the offering. Thank you. (laughs) It's a blessing, right, to give. So 
anybody ever heard of the idiom, draw a line in the sand? Right? What does that mean to you? It might mean to, to you a point beyond which you're not crossing. Right? And that a person beyond that line is not crossing. It's kind of a statement that you make in your life that said, that's it. This is my belief system. This is where I stand. This is it. The line in the sand is drawn. In Joshua 24, 15, that scripture verse that says, choose this day who you will serve. Right? And Joshua says, as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. And for our family, that's what tithing has become in our life. Whether we're making a lot of money and the tithe is a lot of money, right? Sometimes you're like, I get a bonus. I'm like, oh, that's a lot of money because you know the government takes a lot first. But it doesn't matter. The line in the sand has been drawn. It's my tithe, right? Like I, this is my covenant with God. This is the line. I have chosen to pay my tithe regardless if I have a little or if I have a lot because it represents my covenant with God. So I believe it becomes a manifested declaration for our family. Think about that. We can declare, we can talk, we can do a lot of things, say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, oh yeah, I'm, I'm blessed, and all this other stuff. But until we draw a line in that sand, until we manifest what we're declaring, and I believe we do that when we commit to tithe, it's 10% of what God has given us then we are choosing to serve the Lord. Just like Job and David, both in um, the book of Job, (laughs) and David, he said, though he slay me, yet will I praise him, right? Though I don't have a job, yet will I tithe. (laughs) Though I'm not making a lot of money right now, yet I will tithe. Though I've been blessed and this chunk of bonus was going to go to a rehab in the basement, yet I will tithe, right? It doesn't matter. It's the line drawn in the sand. It's our testimony in spite of blessing. As for me and my house, we will covenant with the Lord for who he is and not what is in his hand. Amen? So let's pray. I encourage you to start tithing. Even if you can't make it 10%, start. Just start. Start with five, start with two, it doesn't matter. But the covenant of God with the tithe, with the financial blessing is important for your family. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we have such faithful faithful givers, God. We have people that are generous to the kingdom, even things that happen outside this church that no one can see, Father. I thank you, Father, that I am in a family that believes and that has drawn the line in the sand for your covenant, God. So I just thank you, Father, that no matter what it looks like on the outside, we can trust you. We can trust you beyond our circumstances. We can even trust you beyond our blessing, Father, that who you are is good. So we thank you, Father, for the gift. We thank you for the giver. We pray that we would be faithful stewards to the gift and the kingdom that you've given us to steward at Church on the North Coast. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you ready to get into the word? (laughs) So today I'm going to talk about the robe of righteousness. The robe of righteousness. In Isaiah 61.10, I really fell in love with this scripture verse. And I want to read it to you and start the whole um, message on this point here. 
it says, I am filled with joy and my soul vibrates with exuberant hope because of the eternal my God. For he has dressed me with the garment of salvation and he has wrapped me with the robe of righteousness. It is though I'm dressed for my wedding day. That's the voice translation, and I happen to get into that translation every time I study because it's so beautiful in the words, right? It's as if you are dressed for your wedding day. God has prepared you with a garment so fitting that you are like a spotless, clean, right? Prepared bride for him, Jesus. He has wrapped us in that robe of righteousness, But sometimes we are found without our robe. Sometimes we wake up in the morning and we don't even, it's not even in the same room as us, right? (laughs) We're scurrying around trying to look for this robe that we're supposed to have on because we don't feel like we have it. We don't feel like we deserve it. We know what's been going on in our mind. We We know the motivations in our heart. We know the critical thinking that we have. We don't deserve that robe of righteousness, Or maybe we've replaced it. Maybe we have something else that we think looks more fitting to us. Or maybe it's something we want. You know, I don't want your robe of righteousness. I want this because this just fits me better. That robe might be too big or it might be too much. I I just want something I want. In this Christian life, we, we live, the life we live as a Christian can be about a lot of things. The American church has created this industry around the idea of living our best life, right? And I'm not knocking Joel. I love Joel. He's got a lot of really great things to say, but if that's all it's about, if it's only about our great life, guess what? We've missed the gospel somewhere along the way because the gospel talks about a cross and the cross wasn't great for Jesus. Sometimes it's about being blessed or our wealth or our prosperity. But if all of our focus is on our life, we tend to forget that we've been given an invitation. It's an invitation to a wedding. It's an invitation to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and make him Lord of our life, to become more and more like him as we wait for his return. And that includes discipling others, right? In the Gospels, Jesus tells a parable of a banquet or a wedding feast. And he tells his servants to go out and invite everyone I know. Go invite my family. Go invite my friends, my neighborhood, the people I hang out with. And guess what? None of them showed up. They were busy, right? They were distracted. They were lazy. They didn't want to go. They didn't want to show up. And so he said, you know what? That angers me. That's what the parable says. It angers me. And he said, go get the outsiders. The Bible says they went into the streets and invited everyone they met, the rich, the poor, the good, the bad, the high, the low, the sick, the well, the Marys, right? (laughs) They came and the house was full and the king was happy. He was excited. He was finally able to have his house full because that's the point. Salvation is not about us. What did she just say? It's not. It's about God getting his creation back. It's about God getting his kids back. 
And so if we can shift our mindset from thinking that this is all about us and we're doing God a favor, we're not doing God a favor, right? He's getting his creation back. He wants his house full. He sent his servant, just like that parable, Jesus, to gather those that would come to him. And there's many of us in here that have said yes, and we are guests at his banquet. Just like Isaiah, we put on that garment of salvation. We put on that robe of righteousness. Now, I went to a bunch of different stores to find this material. And I'm not going to tell you that, well, it is. It's a, it's a curtain, and these might just be in my house later. But it's pure linen. It's the expensive stuff, right? It's not the cheap Kmart version. It's pure linen. And this is what God has for us. He has a robe that's so pure and so righteous that we can only get something this pure from him. It's only given to us through Jesus. And I'm going to lay this right here so that we can see the robe of righteousness. But sometimes we mess up and we go, we don't deserve that. I need to hang this up before I get my act together, right? I'll, give, I'll get it all together and then I'll come back and I'll put the robe on. Or we give up altogether and we say, this Christian life isn't for me. It's too hard. That's for my mom. That's for my husband. I can't do it. Or maybe we just say, you know what? I'll just keep that on the hook for Sundays. And as I'm leaving out for church, I'll grab it. Right? We're all tempted this way. But here's the thing. That all of those excuses start with I. I don't deserve it. I don't believe what my mom believes. I need to have this only for Sundays. It's all about us. The gospel is about him. It's his righteousness. So we're going to talk about his robe of righteousness. Amen? It's a gospel message, but guess what? The gospel never gets old. Every time we open our mouth, the gospel should come out, right? The first thing we need to remember about the robe of righteousness is that we can't earn it. There's nothing we can do to earn Jesus's robe of righteousness. And the story that comes to mind is the prodigal son. We all know this story. He wasted his inheritance. He took his father's money and he went out and wasted it. And we've all been there at some, on some point, right? But he finds himself in this pig pen eating pig's food. And he thinks to himself, my father's servants eat better than this. And I know I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. So I'll go work for my dad. You hear that word? He thought he's no longer worthy to be a son. So he's going to work. How many times have we felt that way? I'm not worthy to be called a daughter of the king, so I'll go work for him. I'll do everything I think I can do to make him happy with me. I'll try my best to be good. I'll try my best to be accepted. Because we don't think we were, we're worthy to be sons and daughters. But here's the thing. That prodigal son was never worthy. He wasn't worthy before. It's all a gift we can't earn it. 
So when we live undisciplined, when we live immoral, we end up in a mess. We're depressed, broke, betrayed. We think maybe I can earn my way back. But that's not the way it works. We can't earn God's righteousness. The thought that we can earn his righteousness, right? It sounds funny when we even say it out loud. There's nothing we can do to keep it or restore it. So what's the key with this robe of righteousness? The key is faith. It's, we would call that almost the opposite of earning, right? Because we believe, faith is believing that God said we are sons and daughters. Faith is believing that he has accepted us into our family. It's faith from our right relationship with God, not our right actions. Our faith causes our righteous living. And if we try to do it the other way around, it doesn't work. We have to have faith first. And he showed us this in our father, Abraham, right? That's why we call him Father Abraham had many sons. <laughs> in Romans 4, it talks about it. It says, if Abraham was made right by performing certain works, then he sh- would surely have something to brag about, right? Do we have anything to brag about? doesn't matter how much we serve. It doesn't matter how good we are. It doesn't matter how, how many people we disciple, right? It's all about our faith in God. It continues, it says, not before the creator God, because as the scripture says, Abraham believed God and trusted in his promises. So God counted it to his favor as what? Righteousness. This is how we get the robe of righteousness, believing that Jesus is who he said he is. And then he came to restore our lives to his father. That's how we get our robe of righteousness. Abraham did not depend on his work because Abraham made mistakes, right? He made mistakes. He made some big ones. He tried to make the promise happen. Right? He ended up having a child out of wedlock. He ended up lying on his wife and almost got her raped. Right? There's lots of mistakes that Abraham made, but he didn't count the, on that action. He counted on his faith with God. And he realized that instead of earning his right standing with God, he had faith and he trusted God. So how does this work? In Romans 4, 6, it says, remember the Psalms where David speaks about the benefits that come to the person who God credits with righteousness apart from works. We need to know what it means to be credited with righteousness apart from our works. That is so important. It's because of our faith God credits us. So in real estate, I'm a realtor, so I see these things every once in a while. At the end of your transaction, you get a balance statement, or it's, it's actually called a settlement statement. There's a couple other names for it. So this statement comes about three days, right, right, um, Sue, three days? Three days before closing. <laughs> three days before closing, and you have to look at it, because if there's some numbers off, that's your responsibility, right? <laughs> and it's a lot of numbers. You have the seller's list, and you have the buyer's list, and you have credits, and you have debits on that side, and you have credits, and you have debits on that side, and all the numbers add up, and then there's a bottom line. 
And that bottom line is what you owe in your loan and what you owe cash to the table, right? And so credits are what was paid, but debits are what you owe. And so in this scripture verse, it says God credits us with righteousness apart from our works. But it's important to know the difference because it affects our eternal bottom line. Right? It affects that eternal bottom line to know that in my balance statement or in my settlement statement, there's a credit and it says Mary has my righteousness. And so the eternal bottom line is I have this robe on. I didn't deserve it, but because I believed that he gave it to me, this is mine, right? This is now my robe of righteousness because God credited my belief in him as righteousness. On in Romans 4, it says, but it was written for all of us who would one day be credited for having faith. In God, the one who was raised, our Lord Jesus, from the realm of the dead. He was delivered over to death for our trespasses and raised so that we might be made right with God. Our faith, not our works or our effort, is what God gives us credit for. So even though the temptation comes almost daily for us to earn our righteousness, we have to remember that it's a gift from God, right? In Romans 5, it says, the gift of God through Jesus. That's what this is. It's a gift. The second thing I want you to remember about God's righteousness, this robe of righteousness, is that we don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. Working hard to earn usually turns into what? Self-righteousness. Ugh. Anybody ever been around a self-righteous person? It's painful, isn't it? Has anybody ever been a self-righteous person? Uh, It's painful, right? And it happens easy. It creeps up because for some reason we think we did something to earn this. And then we think we deserve it. But it turns into self-righteousness. Self-righteousness, is it a feeling or a display of usually smug, right, moral superiority derived from a sense that one's beliefs or actions or affiliations or position or you can go on and on and on, right, has a greater virtue than the normal person. No, sorry, that's self-righteousness. We all have the same robe and it's all only because of Jesus, right? Sometimes we think that our knowledge, our consistency, our upstanding moral behavior, we have our own robe. But it's really only because of a holy God. That's it. In Isaiah 64, 6, he says in the Amplified Bible, he says, For we all have become like one who is ceremonially unclean, like a leper. Remember in the Bible, the lepers had to stay outside of the city. They were so considered so dirty and so filthy. Nobody ever wanted to be around them. And that's really what we are. All of our deeds of righteousness are like filthy rags. 
We all wither and decay like a leaf. And our wickedness, our sin, our injustice, our wrongdoing, like the wind, look what it does. It takes us away, carrying us far from God's favor towards destruction. I do not want to be taken the opposite direction from God's favor, right? We can't afford that. Life is is on the line. We cannot be taken, moving away from God in his favor. We have to have God's robe of righteousness, not our own. Yes, there was a robe destroyed in this process, but this is what our self-righteousness looks like. This is, what, this is what our thinking that we deserve God's righteousness looks like. Filthy rags. When I stand up here before you and I forget to put my robe on in the morning, this is what you get. Right? We have nothing to offer him apart from God's righteousness. Did I never turn this thing on? I'm just talking. This one's on. Were you trying to tell me? (laughs) Let's just go with this one. I'm doing it anyways. I had this thing on because I figured I needed my hands for the robes, but whatever. The Bible clearly says that our righteousness is like dirty rags, and he calls it wickedness. In Zechariah 3, 4, There's a story of Joshua, the high priest. Now, it's not Joshua that led them out of Egypt or into the promised land. It's another Joshua, and he was the high priest. And Zechariah had a vision about him. And in Zechariah 3, I want to read you and show you what happened. It says in Zechariah 3, 1 through 4, Then the heavenly messenger showed me a fourth vision. Joshua, the high priest, was standing in front of the eternal special messenger who was presiding over a heavenly council meeting. Standing to Joshua's right was the one called the accuser, and he was ready to argue that Joshua was unworthy to serve as a high priest. So in this vision, you can see like a heavenly court, okay? It's like a courtroom. And Joshua, the high priest, is on trial. So we'll just pretend that I'm the high priest. And he's charged with impurity and accused of being unfit to serve as pastor. Right? His position was priest. The accuser appears in the role of a prosecuting attorney. And he's probably got his papers out, right? He's probably got all the evidence. If you only knew... If you only knew what she did as a teenager, if you only knew the intentions of her heart sometimes, if you only knew the way that she yells at Adrian. (laughs) Bringing charges and attempting to undermine the credibility of the one person God wants to lead, his people. But the judge will have nothing of it. This is what he says to the accuser. I am reprimanding you, accuser. I, the eternal one, have chosen Jerusalem as my own, saved her from my fiery wrath as if she were on a wood poker just pulled from the destruction in a fire. And right there, that just confirms it's not about you. It wasn't even about Joshua. It was about Jerusalem. Wearing that robe is not about you. It's about God's bigger purpose 
in your family's life, in generations, in those you are called to minister to, the faith that you have brings someone else's breakthrough. And Joshua stood there motionless before the eternal's message, still dressed in filthy covered clothes as if recently returned from captivity. The special, special messenger of the eternal to the other heavenly council members He said, remove the filth-covered clothes from this man. Remove the filth-covered clothes from this man. And then to Joshua, it says, just as I have taken away your dirty clothes, I have taken away your guilt from you. And in place of those clothes, I will dress you in pure and expensive garments. And this is what God says to us. You may wake up feeling unworthy, but take that robe off. Take it off. It doesn't belong to you. I've given you a new, pure, precious robe of my righteousness. And you can't go on today wearing that dirty robe. I need you to wear this one. That word guilt there, in some translations, it says iniquity. And it's the same as sin, right? We all have it. But that word sin, it means that which makes us not equal with God. So even our good, remember the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? We all ate from it. I asked my niece this past week, we were going through the purple book. I said, do you think you would have eaten the apple? And she looked at me and she's like, probably (laughs) right? But we all think that. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I would have eaten the apple. Yeah, you would have, right? Because that's just who we are. We're sinful. Our best day, the best thing about me is not as good as the worst thing about God. Think about that. The best thing about me is not as good as the worst thing about God. Even the good things I've done are still inequitable, right? Can't equal his robe of righteousness. So when we see the courtroom of heaven, God removes his iniquity and he removes the filthy clothes and he dresses him in those pure garments. But here's even better news. You ready for the better news? We have an accuser in heaven, but we also have an intercessor. We also have an intercessor. In verse 1, standing to Joshua's right was the one called the accuser, and he was ready to argue for, on, as his prosecuting attorney. The devil is ready to point to our mess, our filthy rags, and oftentimes this is where it happens right here, in our heads. Right? If he can just get in here, our thinking will keep us from putting that robe on. But in Romans 8.34, this is the awesome news. It says, who has the authority to condemn? Jesus, the anointed who died, but more importantly, conquered death when he was raised to sit at the right hand of God where he pleads on our behalf. So we may have an accuser, but we have someone standing right next to us that is saying, you put that robe on. 
God, she deserves this robe because what I did for her. Because I went to the cross for her. I've given her this robe. And look how clean she is. Look how beautiful she is. Look at how, look at how ready she is to do the work of your, of your kingdom on earth. And he's advocating for you. And he's praying for you. And he's, he's up there with God telling how amazing you are because of what he did for you. He offers us his righteousness. But here's the thing. We have to commit to put on the robe. It must be worn by each of us. Remember in the introduction of the message, I spoke of that parable when we were invited. Maybe we were on the outside. Maybe we were the broken ones. And we came in from the highway and the byway and we're sitting at the banquet And in verse 11, the king walks in and he sees his house full and he sees a wedding party and he's so excited. He's finally got his house full. And then in verse 11, he spotted one man who was not dressed appropriately. In fact, he was dressed rather plainly in clothes not at all fitting for a fine nuptial feast. Now the custom back then where normal people like us didn't have fancy clothes. They just didn't. So when they were invited to a feast or a big banquet or even a wedding, the, the, um, the person inviting them, the host or the hostess of the wedding, they actually had to supply clothes for the people coming because they didn't have anything nice to wear. So they would open their wardrobes and they would give out gowns and give out these royal robes and everyone in the wedding um, party or in the in the crowd would come and they would take a robe and they would put it on so that the room would be filled with beauty and everyone would be dressed appropriately. It was an actual thing that happened. And we see that one man in this hall refused to put his robe on, even though he was offered it, even though he was given it. At one point, he refused to put it. And look what happened. The king said in verse 12, kind sir, How did you get in here without a proper suit of wedding clothes? And it says the man was speechless. He had nothing to say. He had been invited in off the street after all, getting no response. Look how faithful God was. He even asked him the the last time, can you sure you don't want a robe? Right? God's so faithful. Are you sure? I have a robe for you. You sure you don't want to put it on? It says, but then Getting no response, the king told his servants, tie him up and throw him out into the outer darkness where there is weeping and grinding of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. Many are invited, but few choose to put this robe on day after day and live like he paid for us to live. God will not accept our own righteousness. He provides us his robe of righteousness, but we must choose to put it on. We choose to put this robe on when we ask Jesus in our hearts and we make him Lord of our life. And we have to remember that it is by faith that we are made right with God. 
The first day when we asked Jesus to come into our heart, that day we stood up, that day we went to the altar, that day we prayed with our mom, you know, whatever it is, that day we raised our hand in the service, that was the day we were given that robe of righteousness. But then every day after that, we have to intentionally wake up and put it on. It's not something that just happens. It's our responsibility to live by faith day after day after day. And we have to do it again, even when we mess up. So in closing, I want to share one more thing about the robe. And I feel like we're getting closer and closer and closer to this day. But there's a verse in Revelation that talks about Jesus's robe of righteousness. And he comes in riding on a white horse. Many of you guys know this scripture verse. His eyes are burning like fire, right? On his heads, it says there's many crowns, not just one. (laughs) Many crowns on his head. And in verse 13, it says he is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. And it's kind of sobering to read this, right? Because you're like, God, why? Why does it have to be hard? I thought you were good. Remember what he was saying earlier? He's good, but sometimes his good isn't easy. It says, and the name he was known by is the word of God. And the armies of heaven outfitted with fine linen, white and pure, were following behind him on white steeds. You see, this time he came with his robe dipped in blood because he's come to judge and wage war on the wickedness that is here on earth. And if you haven't been sleeping for the last, I don't know, two or three or four years, you have seen, right, the wickedness all across the earth that's happening in a greater and greater and greater measure. And I don't believe that God's tolerance or his long-suffering is going to last much longer. I believe that we're going to see his robe of righteousness dipped in blood. But the good news is, is that we can be right behind him on horses. The armies of heaven, it says, are on horses right behind him with their robes (laughs) ready, right? To do what he's called them to do, to bring righteousness to the earth again and to make the enemy pay for the evil that he's done. The lies that he's told the babies that he's killed, right? Each one of us has a decision to make. And that decision is to, first of all, ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask him to be Lord of your life. And if you haven't ever done that, I want to invite you today to do it. And maybe you've done it before, but you just want to put on that robe one more time this morning. And to make a commitment in your heart that that's the first thing you do when your eyes wake up in the morning. You say, Jesus, give me my robe. I know I don't deserve it. I know there's nothing I can do today to earn it. But you promised it to me because I believe in you. And as we put on our robes, we go out that door on white horses, right? And we come behind our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords and we establish his purpose on earth. 
It's not our purpose. It's His purpose. We're going to talk more about that next week because I believe that God wants us to walk in purpose, but too many times we think it's ours. It's not ours, it's His. So stand up with me. We're going to pray and then we're going to dismiss. But if that's you this morning, I want everybody to close your eyes. And there's going to be two reasons to raise your hands and pray today. And the first one is going to be if you've never accepted Jesus in your life and you want to make sure that you are given a robe of righteousness today, I want to invite you to raise your hand with everybody's eyes closed. I want to invite you to raise your hand so that we can pray together and you can invite Jesus into your life. Everybody in here has your robe. That's an awesome, awesome thing. Now, this is the second prayer we're going to pray. We're going to pray for those that in the morning when you wake up, want to make a commitment to never again think you don't deserve it, to never again think that you can earn it, but that you are given the robe of righteousness and you commit in spite and regardless of your feelings, you will put that robe of righteousness on. If that's you today, just raise your hand. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your robe. We thank you, God, for sending Jesus that has given us the free gift of righteousness that we can stand boldly before the throne following our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords fulfilling and establishing your purpose on this earth, God. We make a new commitment. We make a new commitment, God, to wear this robe of righteousness, whether we feel like we deserve it. We put down our efforts. We put down our striving, God, and we commit to humbly trust you like a child. And we will follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you need prayer today for healing in your body, for circumstances or anything, we want to invite you to come up. Um, Some of our prayer ministers and altar ministers will be up to pray with you. And thank you for being here. We love you. Pray hard. Live right. Love everybody. I always say that wrong. But see you tonight.